This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Let your pain be your greatest strength. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Crime Lover Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host. And today I'm with my guest, Anna. Hello, everyone. My name is Anna McGrillishvili, and I am an author and a coach. Um, and I'm here to talk about trauma. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. So my story begins in Eastern Europe. So I um, have an interesting story. I was actually born on a moving train. In the Soviet Union, yes. And um, I came to this world earlier than expected. And so, you know, that just kind of set the stage for my life. I guess I moved quite a bit during my childhood. And I grew up in a pretty volatile household. My father was an abusive alcoholic um, and generational uh, trauma passed on actually on both sides of my family. And so I knew pretty early on that I didn't want to grow up in that kind of environment and pass it on to my family. So I was about 13 years old when I knew that I was meant for more than my life was, and I just needed to figure out how to make it happen. The first opportunity came when I was 16 years old, and um, I became a winner of program it's an exchange program between the United States and Georgia, the country where I'm from. And so I came to the United States for one year. And that was the first time when I actually met a family that was a stable, loving family where women's rights were protected and she had equal voice. And so after I came, I had to go back to Georgia and I knew I had to just get back to the United States to get my life on track and to get it the way I wanted it to be. And so that opportunity came again when I was 20. I applied to college and got accepted. And so I moved to the United States in 2008. Um, and I've been here since then. And that's when my healing journey began. I love that. <laughs> yes. And um, let me know if you want me to go in more detail in any specific. Um... Yeah, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I guess I want to talk about uh, healing because it's quite a journey. I have tried different types of trauma healing, actually. And so I can go into several aspects of it. So I've done anything from, you know, conventional psychologists and seeing them weekly to EMDR therapy to hypnotherapy. And then I've even done ayahuasca retreat and, and with a shaman in Peru to retreats for survivors. So I've done it all. <laughs> and, um, 
quite a journey and uh, it's a process. One of the things that I learned through it is that sometimes trauma causes us to behave in a way that we can't really explain. We make poor choices sometimes, right? Because of those triggers that we might have because of trauma. And an interesting aspect through healing when I did it in a group setting, um, that was very eye-opening for me because that was the first time when I did it in a group setting with other survivors of childhood sexual abuse is that we had common triggers. Sometimes, you know, we would discuss certain aspects and certain behaviors, and I would share something very personal with another survivor, and they, I would see just people nodding and saying, yes, that happened to me too. Or somebody was sharing. I was like, oh my gosh, I've done that too. And that happened to me too. And so that was really the first time when I felt normal, quote unquote, right? Because um, you always feel like you're so alone and what happened to you and nobody can understand you. And you always feel like, I don't know, just so closed off and maybe ashamed of what happened. And that was the first time when it was all out in the open and I felt okay and I felt understood. So one of the things that I like to discuss with other people who've gone through traumatic childhoods is that there is um, a big benefit of doing some sort of group therapy because we often feel so alone in our trauma. So that was one of the aspects that, you know, really, really helped me. Another one, hypnotherapy, honestly, was one of the most powerful therapies that I've tried that has made the most impact on me. So I, um, that was the most kind of the most recent therapy. I've gone through about five years of um, just seeing a psychologist, EMDR. And so that really helped to get my triggers under control. And I felt for a while that I was fine. I was over my past. I could discuss my past without being uh, upset or really triggered by anything. But then what started happening and what was my wake up call is I kept repeating the same relationship patterns that failed over and over and over again. Right. And at some point I was like, okay, I'm the common denominator here. So what is it that I'm doing that I keep attracting the same type of man and then, then the same type of failure happens? Right. And so I started going to hypnotherapist. And so she did amazing job. And I want to share some experiences that I think were super helpful to me and maybe it'll help to some other women. So, you know, she talked to me and she said, okay, there is, you know, every person, men or women have certain aspect of feminine and masculine energy within us, right? And because you had to protect yourself from such young age, you had to come to this country, you know, work hard in your career, you really elevated this masculine energy within yourself because you had to. And also, you know, you always go out in this corporate world, you put on this armor. And she said, well, let's give you armor a color. And I said, okay, well, let's let I have a red armor that I put on when I go outside into the world. She said, great. So you put on this red armor. And so when you go out in this world, the man who gets attracted to you are attracted to that red color. 
but in reality, you are a different color. What color are you? And I said, well, purple. And she said, okay, well, you're purple in reality. And so, but the men who are attracted to purple don't ever see it because you put a red armor. So no wonder you attract men that are not right fit for you. And so that really clicked with me. And I said, oh, yeah. But I also realized I don't really know who I am authentically. I just had to in this fight or flight mode since I was a child, right? I always had to fight for survival, fight for success. And so that kind of began the journey of self-discovery and hypnotherapy. And so one of the things that got uncovered in my hypnotherapy, um, my father was my abuser. And so I um, felt like when you go through the process of trauma, you know, you get stuck. And I was stuck for a long time in the anger stage. I was very angry with him. And I thought that I've moved past it because I no longer in my head imagined how I wanted to pay him back because that what used to happen before. And through hypnotherapy, it came out that that anger, I just suppressed it deep inside. And so here I was walking with all this suppressed anger within me without even knowing it. And when you go into deep into your subconscious, all of that comes out. And so one of the craziest things I've ever experienced was that my hypnotherapist was trying to really get my anger out. And I was just so was like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I forgive him. And so finally, we got to the point where she's like, no, we need to into your subconscious. If you want to kill your father, how do you want to kill your father? How do you want to hurt him? So you know, eventually she got me to like throw him off the balcony in my subconscious and stab him and do all kinds of crazy things. But this, and it sounds crazy saying it right out loud, like, oh my goodness, I was murdering my own father in my subconscious. But what it allowed to do is all of that suppressed years and years of anger and hurt to come out in the open and so really move toward from that anger stage into moving on and forgiveness and, you know, and of course, what he did is not okay. But at least I no longer am drinking that poison of being sad or angry or upset with my father. Right. And so, yeah, very interesting. Anything you want to say before I move Yeah, on? I was just going to say, isn't it crazy how you think like, oh, I'm over this, but really you just buried it so far down that you thought you did but mm -mm. <laughs> it's there and frankly you know because I've done so many different types of therapy I feel like there's almost like stages you have to go through and you need to start with maybe just seeing a psychologist and talking about it then maybe EMDR if you have triggers and go past that and hypnotherapy is that kind of next level but if you really truly have that deep childhood trauma it's really difficult to really get to the root cause of it and kind of liberate yourself off of it and another thing that happens through this process a lot of people who go through childhood trauma become super type A's high performing individuals that's a trauma response 
And so because we're such high achievers, we always, and perfectionists in some ways, we always feel like there's that end goal at the end. I'm just going to reach and I'm, then I'm just going to be completely healthy and I'm just going to be fine. But the reality of things is, is really, it's a journey that is never ending. And really, you just need to compare yourself with who you were before versus now. And that was something I honestly came to realization really recently, just a few months. I still had that, I guess, dream that there is that, you know, out there in the future where nothing from my past is going to ever impact me and I'm going to be completely rid of of everything. And and for the most part, you know, I am and uh, I'm happy and I've worked through all of it. But it's I can never say that it's going to be completely 100% gone because it is part of our history, right? It's just, what do we do with it? Is our trauma going to be purposeless or are we going to learn from it and really use it for the good? And I really am happy that you are talking about these issues is because it's such a dark, secretive, shameful, you know, many people who go through it um, are not ready to talk about it. And so I feel an honor to be able to speak about this issue because I have that courage and I've worked through it that maybe will give some motivation to somebody who's working through it right now and move you know, through the process. Yeah, it's so important to know that it didn't just happen to you. That there are other people that are going through the same thing and the way that you are feeling, it's validated and it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to try to work through them and to try things and to fail at things. It's okay mm-hmm. to fail. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to forgive. Like there's so many emotions that go through you mm-hmm. that it's okay. And like one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Do it at your own pace. But once you can start lifting those layers, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, you don't even realize that sometimes it's there until it's gone and you feel so much lighter. And I think another point I want to make is that it's not a linear journey. It's not always like you're going in this uphill, uh, you know, kind of improvement. Sometimes you have improvement and sometimes you have some setbacks and and life is, you know, life circumstances happen. Something, you know, could be death in your family. You break up with your significant other, something that really brings back some memories. And so sometimes you, you will have those setbacks, but that's okay. As long as you have that courage to work through it, move forward, it's still that journey toward, toward healing. And another thing is that, there's a lot of also preconceived notions in different arenas. Like, for example, if you're could maybe conservative religious um, background might be frowning about certain types of therapy because they believe, you know, you should be going in this way or vice versa, you know. But to me, I feel like every survivor needs to choose what works best for them and really try different types of therapy as well, because It just works differently. So one of the controversial things um, that I've tried is called ayahuasca ceremony. 
And so it's a, you know, ancient tradition um, that originated in the Amazon in uh, Peru. And so it still gets passed on generation to generation of shamans living there. And so it's this root that grows in the Amazon forest and they boil it a certain way to prepare this, what they call medicine of the soul. And so I even after all that therapy that I've gone through, I still felt there was something left and I was really called to really try it. And so I tried it last year, actually. And so I spent three days with the shaman going through this ceremony. And frankly, it was one of the most transformational experience I've ever had. And so, you know, I've described all this journey that I've had with the trauma in regards to my father. Again, with the hypnotherapy, I thought I was completely done. And yet I was yet again surprised because what happened is when the medicine started working, it basically opens up a certain part of your brain that typically doesn't get activated. And so the access is very deep subconscious. For me, it was it brought back memories through smell. And smell is one of the strongest senses that we have, right? It's very primal. And it was exactly the smell of my father that I thought I'd forgotten, but it came so vividly. And so I have cried like I've never cried in my life. And it was more like wailing cry where I really was grieving the childhood that was snatched away from me by him. And I was grieving for that little girl that was really hurt. And and the tears felt cold. I mean, it was just such a deep, emotional, primal feeling that I felt. And then once those tears subsided, this light came through. And that's when we, when we talked about that lightness. I'd, again, I didn't even realize how much I was still carrying until that moment when that light came through and it disappeared, like all that heaviness, all that pain. And so I was like, oh, okay. So even with all of that experience, there was still something that needed uh, lifting in my soul. And so for me, it was such a transformational experience. And so one other interesting thing happened during that time. As long as I remember, I always said that I never wanted to have children. And I had very, very logical explanation why I didn't want it. And basically, I was like, well, I'm a career woman, I don't want to affect my schedule, my life, all those different reasons that completely I was like, yeah, I just don't want to have children. Well, here's what happened after that experience that I described. As as soon as that lifted, I had this next experience where I literally felt the most feminine I've ever felt. I felt so, I for the first time felt to be so proud to be a woman, so light, so beautiful, and really had this vision of giving birth to a child and this like tears of joy came. And so just like this, I'm kid you not, from one day to the other, I went from not ever wanting children to actually wanting to have one. And so this is the craziest thing that ever happened to me. And I was like, okay, so this trauma was almost depriving me of the most fundamental, beautiful experiences that I could have because I was just traumatized and I didn't want to have children because of that. 
And so then I wonder how many people are walking around, and this is just one example, an area, right? Maybe some people don't want to get married. Some people don't want to, I don't know, have a relationship ever. How many people are justifying certain behavior, completely thinking it's logical, but yet it's the trauma that's holding them back? And so, I mean, I feel like every person just really needs to work on healing themselves because that's when you truly find out who you're meant to be, because that darkness could really, really hold you back from, from your higher self, from knowing authentically who you are as a person. And for the first time, really, I feel like I'm closer than I've ever been to knowing who I am. And obviously, uh, maybe, you know, a year from now, it's even going to be more. But um, I can say that I've been the happiest I've ever been. And talking about this really brings me joy. Oh, that makes me so happy. That makes my heart smile because literally you, first of all, you are gorgeous and, but you are just glowing and I love that for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I hope that it really resonates with some of your listeners um, and encourages them to really try whatever they get cold to is completely okay. You don't have to go through what's been done, right? There's so many different types of therapy out there. And really, you can try each and every one of them and see what really resonates with you and really stick with that. And another thing is that when you start sharing your story and you feel less alone, because once I started sharing what happened to me with some of my friends, Well, next thing I knew, some people started sharing their stories and said, well, that happened to me too. And so when you start sharing and bonding, first of all, your relationships get so much closer and then you don't feel alone. You don't feel like there's anything wrong with you, right? It's just this world is broken. There's a lot of broken people and then hurt people hurt people. And so it is is like one of my favorite sayings. Yes. Exactly. And so this is our responsibility, right, to not perpetuate that generational trauma, but really break the cycle, right? So I'm the cycle breaker for my family. So I actually wrote a book really describing four generations on my father's side and three generations on my mother's side and really describing because of this trauma, this is the kind of father he became. And that passed on to this. And it really starts making sense how it just gets repeated. The story repeats itself. It is it is bizarre. But um, unfortunately, it is rare for children to break that cycle. Children then become abusers. And then, you know, it just keeps going and going. And that's that's the saddest part of it. Absolutely. I've noticed that as well. Um, I grew up, you know, with some childhood trauma and I didn't realize until in my thirties that it was because it was done to them. And so it was a big aha moment for me. And then I was actually able to repair that relationship. It gives you clarity on why they do the things that they do. There's reasons. You know, nobody woke up one day and it's like, oh, I'm going to go do this, this, and this. No, it's embedded in you. Uh, Unfortunately, and that understanding that you had probably helped you move toward more forgiving them, you know, getting closer, 
Yeah, but it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to really see that perspective because deep inside, right, we're still those little girls who were hurt by somebody who was supposed to protect us. And so it's very primal. And I mean, even though my father was um, the abuser in my family for the longest time, I had very difficult relationship with my mother too, because, you know, I felt like she didn't protect me. And so what you described about really seeing it from how she was actually also abused by him and seeing it that she was a victim as well, really is what helped us to start repairing that relationship that was broken for so many years. And it's important to get those back because deep down, you do want to love your parents. You do. I mean, I think some things might be a little bit more forgivable than others, but, you know, like certain things, they can be repaired. And as long as they also take ownership and they can see where they went wrong and apologize and work on it themselves, that kind of shows you, oh, wow, you know, they didn't want to be this way. It's just what happened. Exactly. You bring a really good point. That's a key element in that mending the relationship, because if the person, right, parent is not ready and they're not taking care or taking responsibility for their action, it's very difficult to mend because you're still upset with them, right? Um, Rightfully so. But yeah, once both are ready to take the responsibility over what happened, that's when really healing starts happening between them. And you're right. Um, I felt there was uh, three years in my life where I literally had no communication with anybody from my family. And even though I was fine and I have good friends who are substitutes to, you know, your family, your family is still your family. So I still felt like there was something missing. I still felt like my situation is abnormal. And so part of it, you know, I met other people who've, who also are not communicating with their parents because of the situation. So that also helped us talk through the situation. So I always believe that everything happens for a reason and it's a learning experience. So I guess I needed that time, but it was still a very challenging, difficult time. And so I'm, I feel a lot better now that I am repairing my relationship with my mother uh, versus not us not talking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You have to be in your right spot first, though, because you have to be willing to see it for what it is. If you're not there yet, don't don't even bother because you're just going to bump heads and it's going to push you further apart. Absolutely. You have to be ready for that mending. Mm-hmm. I, I've made that mistake. And, uh, you know, you know, I can speak about all the successes that I've made. But also, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And that was one of it is that when we were not ready, when we tried to reconcile, it really didn't happen until the third attempt. Because of I was not ready. I was still angry. I was still upset and hurt. And she was not willing to really open up and listen to what I have to say. So it ended really poorly us fighting and you know so it's everybody makes a mistake and i i i made those as well so it's completely normal we we're humans we're not perfect we have emotions we make mistakes so it you know 
journey. It's a journey. Oh, yeah. Lifelong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Town Podcast is a podcast that features your town's dark, wild, and sometimes unbelievable past that will have you thinking there is no way that really happened here. Matt, Meg, and Zach dust off the books and hit the streets and the occasional nursing home to unveil your town's past. From small towns to where we live to big cities before they were what they are today, this is your town, your stories. So I started a nonprofit called The Crime Connection. And it's about childhood traumas and taking how people take that. And then, you know, they become serial killers, pedophiles. You know, it's so easy for people to either want control because they had none or to mimic what was done to them. Same thing with like parenthood and stuff. And so really what the nonprofit is going to do is help people try different kinds of therapies. You know, try to do, find something that can work for you. And then that way we'll have less hurt people walking around because hurt people hurt people. That's right. Absolutely. That's such a worthy cause. And I completely um, support it because one statistics is that um, they did a survey of um, incarcerated women in the United States prison system. And one survey did uh, come with 64%. Another came with 70% of those women were um, abused as children. Is that a correlation? I think so, right? Uh, if 70%, and that's probably a higher percentage, uh, maybe some women are not even admitting it. And sometimes when you have a childhood trauma, one of the things that could happen to you is you have gaps in your memory. So I've, you know, you've met probably people and I've met people who have significant gaps in their memory from childhood. And that's how you immediately know there's something there, something happened to that woman or man and their child, you know, developing years. And so our brain is protecting us. And so they just don't remember. And so that exactly with your nonprofit, I mean, that's right there. That statistic is just completely understandable that those hurt people who are hurt as children commit a crime, they go to prison, right? How many of those could have been prevented if we focused on really healing and, um, you know, spending that money on the healing rather than incarcerating them? Absolutely. And that's what I'm trying to do because so, I mean, the prisons are just filled with hurt people. And there was another saying that I heard that I just loved that says prison should be for people that we are afraid of, but instead it's used for people that we're just merely mad at. I yeah. was like, wow, that is so true. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, it's getting better in certain ways. Like I, you know, with the, I feel like there's more move toward talking about certain areas like child um, sexual abuse, trafficking, you know, all those different areas in 
and Hollywood is now picking up and making movies. And so people are talking more about it. And so I see movement just recently more and more, but it definitely needs a lot more open and less hush-hush. And the United States is probably a little bit better than most countries. I mean, in most countries, it's an absolute taboo to talk about it, right? And in certain cultures, I mean, in my where I come from, it wasn't until 2008 and when it became illegal for domestic abuse. Like before domestic abuse was completely legal, there was no consequence for men beating their children or wife. Oh, no. 2008, you know, and, and you know, there's still parts of the world where there's so much, it's so much worse than, you know, even what we have here, at least oh, here yeah. services, you know. I mean, a lot of countries, people are selling their kids because they get money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, do you realize what you're setting this child up for, for the rest of their life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a set statistic with the trafficking and um, child sexual abuse. Uh, majority of the time, it's somebody who's really close to that child. It's a person they know within the family or friends or Sometimes it's another child um, who's a friend. So it's not people always. So it's an interesting dynamic. When you start talking about this issue, people always say, so I live in this very prominent part of town in um, Atlanta. And so people think, oh, it doesn't happen here. It happens somewhere else, you know, which is completely not true. It happens in every single socioeconomic class, every race, you know, every background. So one of the things is I'm trying to educate people is that it doesn't matter where you live. Somebody who you know, statistic is as one in four women get child sexual abused as a child. So think about 10, 12 women that you know, it's one in four. That's something happens. It's a scary statistic, scary statistic. And it honestly is true because as soon as I started to be more vocal about it, more and more women are coming to me saying, yes, that happened to me too. And sometimes they don't even know there's the only thing child sexual abuse is such a broad, big, I mean, it can be every, anything and everything, right? It could be over internet. It could be exposure to, you know, pornographic images. It's not just necessarily physical act. It's so much broader. So once you start talking about it, then they're like, oh yeah, that happened to me. Oh yeah. My babysitter did this. And I'm like, Yes, this is awesome. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think sometimes we get in our mind and we like just zone in on little things, but no, it's it's a lot broader than what people want to believe. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a lot broader, like the effects, right? We talked about incarceration. Well, another thing is um Many people who are identified as drug addicts or alcohol um, abusers, they also probably most of the time experience something in, the, in their childhood. And that's just kind of how they deal with that, with that trauma. And so it's really a lot of symptoms that we're fighting. There's so much, you know, we talk about, you know, drug addicts and how we need to help them, incarcerated people. But in the core of it all, it's it's coming from you know, your childhood. So I feel like it should be if, if 
if this government, right, directed and nonprofits directed all this funds we're spending on correcting the symptoms to the core of the issue and really mandating everybody to go to a psychologist, how much better world are we going to be living in? Right. I said, even like, shoot, first grade, line them up, like, mm-hmm. talk to someone, you know, if kids feel some type of way, and they hold it in for so long. And then before you know it, they're angry, they're getting in fights at school. Now they're 11, and they're drinking, and they're, they're doing this, they're doing that they're promiscuous. These are there's reasons why. Absolutely. And if they don't get to it, why are they going to stop? They're not even going to know how to stop. It gets away from them. Now that's just their life. That's all they know. Absolutely. And just numbing the pain, right? It's just, it gets so unbearable. Same with suicide, right? Something is get so, that pain gets so unbearable. You just can't do deal with it anymore. And um, you feel alone and it's getting at least better about the stigma of going to a psychologist than, you know, older generation. I mean, it was re- remembered, like it was just such a, you had to be, oh, there's, you're crazy to order in order for you to go um, to a psychologist. At least now it's a little bit more acceptable. So there's a positive movement, but I agree with you. If we started early on, just from psychologist gets to evaluate every child in the school, just to make sure they're okay. I mean. That that is something I want my tax dollars to go to for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure parents would be a little like eh, scared what might come out, but maybe you need help too. So, you know, it's not to get people in trouble. It's not to do anything like that. It's just to help people deal because mm-hmm. you got to feel if you want to heal. So that's right. Yeah. And that's another thing, Um, you know, during therapy, it's a difficult and challenging time. And some people give up because it's just hard, right? It opens up a lot of the wounds that have been suppressed. And maybe you've forgotten some memories that come back and they're painful. Um, but I think the worst thing you can do is really stop in the midst of it, because then you basically have this wound you just opened up without really healing it, right? And so then you're op- walking around with this with this horrible, horrible wound in your soul without really trying to heal it. Um, And it can really manifest in different ways, right? I I remember there was one period where for about three months, I kid you not, I took a nap every day. It just that even though my therapy was once a week, it took so much out of me that I just felt constantly tired. And I couldn't figure out why until it clicked, oh, it's because I'm going, so what's different? Oh, I started going to therapy. And so I kid you not, I like I took naps every day for like t- for three months. <laughs> and so, and that's okay. And so being, you know, more accepting and I felt guilty at the beginning because again, high achiever type A, I'm like, why am I taking naps every day? But then it's like, be kind to yourself, right? You just don't know how you're going to react. It could be physical, right? You could, your appetite might increase, it might decrease. You might be crying sporadically. You might not want to talk to people or you might need to be with people. It's every reaction is completely okay. And it's individual too. We just don't know how it's going to be. Absolutely. Not two, two people could be in a room. The same thing could have happened to them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take the same path. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, another thing is like, like you said, two people could go through exact same thing, but their personalities could completely affect one could be here, you know, much more adopted to the society and one could be a complete emotional mess. You just don't know. We're so individual, right? It's just, so it doesn't really matter. I just know, I just remember I got so upset one time because somebody was comparing my trauma to another person's trauma. And I was like, you know, that's such a no, no, don't do that. Don't compare traumas. Oh, she's gone through so much worse than you. I'm like, this is not a competition, right? <laughs> that's definitely not what I'm wanting to win. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I guess, one other thing is like, don't compare traumas. Everybody's individual and how they deal with it is their own journey. Exactly. And everyone is entitled to feel how they feel from what they've been through. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> People are like that too. It drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just, it's, you get angry and I did too, but then I was like, ugh, but it's ignorance, right? They're just ignorant. Um, they think they're helping, but or giving you a compliment, but it's really not. And so once I cooled down, I said, okay, as somebody who went through something very terrific, right? I do not appreciate you comparing my what what gone with me with somebody else. It's just not something that's okay. So really again educating them about, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. And really understanding your trauma helps you with your relationships as well, right? So I mean, I had different triggers for a while when I was younger, like, I don't know, like I had to sleep on my stomach with a pillow over my head, right? That's something that I learned as a child as a protective mechanism. And so like, you're like, your partner like, looks at you like, you're a weirdo, like, why, why are you sleeping like this? And so, you know, it's like, but do you have a conversation? Like, okay, well, I went through this in my childhood. So this is a protective mechanism that I have right now. I'm working through it. And maybe I will change at some point, which I did. But if I wouldn't have, that's also completely okay, right? And so accepting your, who, where you are, and understanding certain behaviors is super helpful in really healing and um, being okay with who you are. And sometimes my fiance will be like, well, that was in the past. Can't you like get over it? And it's like, okay, wrong answer, first of all. Right. No, like this doesn't ever just go away. You learn how to deal. You learn how to cope. You learn new ways around it-ish, but it yeah. doesn't mean oh I'm cured I'm healed <laughs> yeah yeah I think the biggest thing is that we don't ever want your past to be hurting your present right so if you know you're listening to this podcast I ask yourself like is there something in your life where your behavior because of your past is hurting your present or your future right that's where we need to really focus on and make sure that your past stays in the past in that way. We don't want it to be affecting you in the negative way, right? Because we want you to really thrive as, as an adult and um, continue on this journey of healing and really coping better, you know, figuring out why certain things trigger you and so on. So that's, I guess, when I 
talk with people, I just want to always understand if there's some area in their lives where they're really failing, right? Um, and then see how we can really help them move past that. I love that. I mean, it, it, you have to. You have to face it. You have to understand why you do what you do and then how to rewrite the script. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, now I feel like I'm in control of my life more because, and I've decided for myself that my my trauma is going to have a purpose, right? And so I wrote a book about it, right? I'm talking about it. I am doing different fundraisers to help organizations that deal with this issue and help survivors. Um, and now it gives me my trauma. I know it sounds a little bit odd to say, but my trauma gives me purpose now too, right? It, and it gives me strength in a way. So my pain became the source of my greatest strength. I love that because now, guess what? That, that, pain is my light now. And so, and that helps me to relate to people who've gone through it too, to help them. And so decide, right? Let's decide how is that trauma going to affect us? Is it going to hold us back or is it going to make us stronger and better? Right? Absolutely. I mean, that's, I feel like my purpose, why I do this now, because I get it. Like mm -hmm. the light bulb is so bright now. Like I get it. And it makes sense. And it's time that we start correcting it. Because, I mean, think if I would have done something like this, I don't know, 20 years ago, how much more could I have done? Like, you know, we hold ourselves back for so long. It, enough. It's time that you own it and then try to make it better. I mean, so many episodes, I have so many different survivors on. I learn more about myself each time. And it helps me grow. And I love to grow with my listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I see it. And that's why, you know, I started with the group. I think community is so important just to support you and for you to feel like there are people out there who you're helping, who understand you, you know, you understand them. And it's really becomes more of a beautiful connection that way. And we're also helping people learn about it, right? To not continue. Because I feel like this also helps with the prevention, right? So we want to not only heal what happened in the past, but prevent it from happening in the future. So every healed adult now is not no longer potential abuser of their children because that would have been my life, right? It could have been your life, anybody's life, um, if we didn't choose to really focus on moving forward and heal in a healed, thriving manner. I would have been an abuser as well because that's that's just kind of what's happened in my family for generations. What you know, you do certain things without even thinking that that is some form of abuse or that's some form to hurt somebody because that's not what you're thinking, but that's what you're doing because yeah. that's it's it's the cycle. That's what you know. That's what you saw. That's mm -hmm. what you learned. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, it's breaking that cycle. Mm -hmm. Where can people find the book? Oh, it's on Amazon and uh, it's called Finding Courage to Change. 
I felt like that was a really good title um, because it does take courage, right? It takes a lot of work to become something bigger than what you were meant to be because of what happened to you in the past. I love that. Absolutely. Oh, thanks. Mm, I'm just I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you too. I'm glad you're doing this. Like when I saw you reach out, I was like, yes, this is perfect. I love your mission. And I think that what you're doing is so important. And when I wrote a book, I said, even if it helps one person, it's absolutely worth it. And so, you know, I'm sure you feel similarly where it's like you, what you're doing is so important. And even if it helps one person, it's one person who's, who's not going to be perpetuating that behavior in the future. Oh, yeah. And it's helping me, too, in the process. You know, little things I'd be like, oh, my God, I do that. You know, and it's like retraining your brain and don't let's not do that anymore. Let's do change up your verbiage, change this, change that. It's little tweaks like that that can make the world of a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I became a better friend, too, because now I'm I'm more trauma informed. And now it's interesting. Sometimes like I see my friend's behavior or they say something that they've done. I'm like, "Mm, okay, let's talk about this. Why did you do that? You know, and so become a better partner. You know, my um, my partner right now is going through something where I I helped him understand that, uh, you know, what he's dealing with is is trauma from his childhood and he never realized that it it was that and so it was a very eye-opening experience for him and so i feel like i'm a better friend you know romantic partner co-worker and so on because of all that work that i've done for sure people feel comfortable to come and be able to talk to you as well yeah exactly so, that's always a plus yeah. <laughs> And there's no judgment, right? Like we've all made so many mistakes. We've done, you know, things that we're not proud of. Most humans have one way or the other, right? So it's like, okay, we make the mistake, move on. Let's 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 figure out how we can pivot and and get your life back on track and get better and so on. So if you fall down, you just get up and keep going. Tomorrow's another day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, girl, you got this. This is amazing. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. This is my first podcast, by the way. Is it really? Yes. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Awesome. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed having you. And I want to keep in touch for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Anna, thank you so much. Thank you, Tiffany. Nice to meet you. If you know somebody who could benefit from this episode, especially with all the different methods that were mentioned in this episode, please share it with them. We need to start healing the hurt. And this is really the only way we're going to do it. All links will be in the show notes. Make sure that you are liking, following, subscribing. Leave me that five-star review. Let me know you appreciate it. If I have actually helped any of you and you feel comfortable coming forward, just, you know, if anyone has anything that they want to share, if something that's been mentioned on one of the episodes that have really helped you, I'd really like to know about it. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.